Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday Eve. Man, this has been uh, quite the week. It seems like there's just so much going on. Now it's good in that we have plenty to talk about. Ain't no doubt about that. But uh, nonetheless, it just seems like it's uh, seems like it ought to be Friday today. But it's Friday Eve. We got to keep that in mind. I just We're think good. which country came up with the curse? May you live in interesting times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Was it China? Is that a Chinese proverb? I think it is. Um, but you know, we are there. <laughs> if that's your goal, we are there. By the way, Cher vows to leave country if Trump is reelected. <laughs> Didn't that happen last time? <laughs> yeah, I thought she already said she was going to leave when he got elected the first time around. <laughs> that just came up on the screen. I had to share that uh, with the folks there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, When's please. When's the last time she was relevant? <laughs> that is all that is, an attempt to be relevant right there. Craving the attention. You know who else wants the attention? It certainly appears. Those zany members of the U.S. House of Representatives. They couldn't get it done. Of course, uh, you called it when they hit the the five mark, right? When we saw five Republicans. Yeah, he was done within the first 75 to 100 votes. <laughs> it was over. I think Jim Jordan's toast. I don't think he's got a chance at this point. Well, the you? thing you got to remember is there were 213... Republicans that didn't want to get rid of McCarthy. Right. Right. Now, I got to tell you, though, I heard reports this morning that at least one member and a member's spouse, wife, received death threats because they didn't support Jordan. Now, you never know what's legitimate or not. I didn't see the reporting of death threats, but I did see reporting that, is it Bacon? Yes. The guy's last name? Yes. Who got, quote-unquote, threatening texts, and the threat was, you'll never win another election okay. if you don't support our guy. Okay. Well, I think it was the wife of one of the reps who received a death threat. You're right, though. The one, uh, Bacon, was more about, you're done as far as your service in the House of Representatives. 
So, which I mean, scroll through any of the comment section of social media, you have a hundred people saying the same thing to every single politician. Well, that's true. Anytime they do anything, but you know what? It makes me think of that we should be better than that in this country. I mean, no. Unfortunately, now with the, our digital world, everybody is accessible. You know that, and. Well, accessibility is part of it, but it's the anonymity provided by the Internet that brings out the worst in people. Okay, that's a good point. I I agree with you. Uh, With all these forms of digital communications, you're right. You can just hide behind um, the the digital nature of it, right, and not reveal your identity. Because the accessibility is not necessarily a bad thing. Agree. Agree with you on that. Um, But... Uh, can't. Why do people have to go, stoop to that level? I'm going to threaten you. That's ridiculous in my view, and it makes us look stupid. Uh, hell, you got Rashida Tlaib. i got to send you some video to play later. If you know who she is, a member of the squad of Palestinian descent, she's threatening the president. Not physically, not with harm. You will pay for this, Mr. President. <laughs> Yet they still pander to these people, do the Democrats. That's disgusting, in my view. But, okay, I get it. You don't like the speaker outcome at this point or the lack thereof. You wanted Jordan. Do you got to go threaten people about it, though? That's just not the way to accomplish the goals that you seek. What, what is it you seek? A pound of flesh. That's what they seek in some degree of, I guess, some sense of power they derive from just sort of arbitrarily throwing these threats out there. That's just not good. That's not, I mean, again, think back to our founding. You know, those people that the Democrats claim are just evil, wicked people. But the people who dreamed this whole thing up, they wouldn't like that. Now, let me be clear. I fully support their right to be stupid and, and disrespectful. Support their right. However, don't you start crossing the line when you're threatening the life of someone, threatening the life of someone? Isn't there like a crime against that? Pretty sure that's against the law. Sort of thought. I mean, so again, are you redressing your government, which was the idea, honestly, of free speech? It's rooted in that to some extent, because think about the environment our founders came from. You couldn't do that. Off with your head if you questioned the king, right? But in this country, and I'm not sure there's another one on the face of the earth that grants such freedom where you can go be stupid, sit in the rotunda like they did yesterday. I heard that was called an insurrection. Uh, Right. Where are the Democrats on that? Do we need to have hearings? How many hours of security footage do we have to look at? Exactly. Any midnight FBI raids for anybody involved? (laughs) Well, did you see that... uh, What about prison sentences? We're looking at... 16, 17, 22 years, something like that. Right. Just for uh, crossing through the threshold, essentially. It didn't matter what you did once you got in there. Right. Even if it's just nothing. 
which is what most of it was, despite what the Democrats say. However, Representative Adam Schiff, that guy, he is equivocating the Hamas attacks on Gaza to January 6th. Here's what I mean by that. He is. Now, he says, if Republicans would only denounce the January 6th insurrection to the degree they are the Hamas attacks on Gaza and Israelis. So he's essentially, with that statement, in my view, equivocating January 6th to killing babies and children and and women. That's just so twisted, so incredible. But that's all for political gain. That's nothing more than just, let me go out here and make some statement and get some, some political boost out of it. That's all they care about. Because he knows, at worst, the mainstream media will just ignore it, and at best, they'll cheerlead him. And that's kind of Nobody's going to question him. That, unfortunately, that's right. Let's, let's be honest. The mainstream media, in their sort of tepid reaction to all this, I would say is a mouthpiece for Hamas, honestly. I mean, that's how you got headline news on the front pages of newspapers that was completely inaccurate regarding a bomb or a rocket going off in a hospital and killing 500 people when it was a terrorist rocket that landed in a parking lot that caught the fuel on fire and don't see 500 bodies anywhere. You totally called it, uh, because yesterday it, it had just occurred, and uh, I shared it, and uh, you had already seen the information that says, uh-oh, this looks like this may be a little overblown. Yeah, as soon and as then, the sun came up, you well, the hospital's still there. Yeah. The parking lot looks like a mess. Yep. CNN jumped all over it, however. You saw that? CNN, I mean, New York Times, Wall did. Street Journal. I think the New York Times literally had went to print, maybe it was digital, went digital, with uh, a headline that suggested Israel was responsible for the attack, right? And then they changed it. But oh, yeah, that headline gets changed about every five minutes, it seems now. CNN is Israel, Rashida Tlaib, and others who want so desperately to believe that Israel was behind this. Where did they get their information? From idiot terrorist murderers. That's who they're relying on. Think about that for a second. Oh, it must be true. It's people that behead babies that told us this is what happened. That's just mind-boggling to me, that they would accept that at face value and run with it and go to the news with it. I saw one of those CNN panels. I just laugh when I watch those CNN panels because they're, they're, they're so righteous and so serious and so wrong. How can they be so dang wrong? Because it's what they want, and they peddle it, and it's honestly, it's not news. It's not even opinion. It's propaganda is what it is. They so desperately want that to be the case. Of course, they're the network that had the reporter out in the middle of the BLM riots and said, oh, it's mostly peaceful. With the <laughs> building on fire behind it. <laughs> We're in the Element Well studio coming right back. Congressman Michael Guest is going to call in uh, after the 12 o'clock hour. It's Richard Greenlee at 11.05 with Ratchet Entertainment. Stay with us. 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do Man, is that ever a perfect song? So, the people who railed about disinformation, remember, wanted a czar of disinformation. Because you people, you can't discern fact from fiction, even when the facts are in front of your face. Oh, no. The government's got to get involved and decide what information you can consume, and they are the all-powerful, omnipotent guardian of the truth. Yeah, but the mainstream media who's in bed with the Democrat Party, CNN, MSNBC, that's where the race lady is over there, they ran with this narrative. I mean, immediately pounced on it. See, we told you, it's Israel. They did it. The Palestinians, Hamas, which is, which is a proxy for Palestine, essentially. I mean, they elected them. Exactly. Uh, that's just a resistance movement. They're trying to colonize. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's disgusting that the highest levels, purportedly at least, and the media take this at face value and start peddling this narrative? And, you know, people are out there just shaking their head in agreement. That's what's even sadder. They want to believe it. Well, they seem to only have any real journalistic curiosity when something comes out of Trump's mouth. That's true. And and then it's an all-day affair of analyzing a statement or two. That's absolutely true. But members of the United States Congress... Rashida Tlaib, Democrat from Michigan, immediately said Israel's to blame for this hospital explosion, which really wasn't a hospital explosion, now we've learned. And even upon receiving analysis from the U.S. government, which now says, yeah, this came from Hamas. It was an errant missile in their possession, our intelligence has communication among the Hamas terrorists where they're discussing this. I, I listened to it yesterday. Of course, it's in Arabic, but it is um, translated. It's pretty clear they're talking about it. That's what's going on. And then you hear this this narrative, this talking point, well, the Palestinian people are really good, except they teach their children in school to hate Jews. And it's embedded in their doctrine. we got to wipe out Israel and all the Jews. That's what they teach from an early age. 
we're to believe they're peaceful? Where's the peace in that? Where's the peace in genocide? Which is what their goal is, honestly. So old Rashida Tlaib has a big old, here we go, has a big old rally yesterday. Listen to this, folks. The fact of the matter is, our lives are not safe with you or the forever peach president. When are we going to feel safe? When are we going to stop funding continued, literally, oppression of indigenous communities? When are we going to say enough? You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and, and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry. And they're shaking and somebody, you know this, they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic. They, do, they can cry, I can cry, we all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all of America is with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing the vast majority just like this. And we still stand by and say nothing. We will remember this, but all of you, you need to know, I swear to God, Wahiyat Allah, you are on the right side of history. You are. You're doing everything possible to save lives. What is wrong with that? Stop it with trying to try to politicize this. One, one goal, save lives. That's it. Do everything you're supposed to do to make that happen. That's a United States congresswoman. With big old crocodile tears. That was the most. She is so full of it. Totally. Now, we weep as well for the loss of life, especially innocent children. But she refuses to accept that, honestly, it's her countrymen that committed those atrocities, that launched this unprovoked attack. I mean, does she not realize that they use paragliders to attack and kill and murder innocent people attending a musical festival? Does does that not register with her? I guess not. Because she's dumb as a doornail. But they elected her. What's what's going on in this country? There's a lot of dumb as doornail Democrats that have been elected to the halls of Congress. Man, oh man. Meanwhile, we can't get a speaker, even though Republicans have control from a number of seats perspective of the House. I just received a text from Congressman Michael Guest. We're hoping to get him on. It's a bit fluid, folks, but right now he's scheduled to come on in the 12 o'clock hour. He just sent me a text. Said that Jim Jordan will not hold a third ballot for speaker. He will back Patrick McHenry as an interim speaker until January. He's the speaker pro tem. Apparently, McCarthy, McHenry, Jordan, Cole, and Emmer met this morning. Wow. The conference is about to meet now, is what the congressman just sent me. Oh, man. My biggest concern is that to really move the needle and pass good policy, bottom line is you got to have control. you got to win the seats. 
through our process. You need control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Otherwise, it's virtually impossible to get anything done of any consequence. And my concern is that this will play in to the 2024 election. All members of the House are up. I think 31 Senate seats are up. And, of course, the White House. And I certainly acknowledge that people do have short memories. There's no doubt. And that folks are, I think, more influenced by the events right around in their situation, right around Election Day. I I accept that and agree with that. But there's no doubt that the Democrats are going to capitalize on this dysfunction. And those who support this kind of holding out, I've seen, even in Mississippi, they don't describe it as dysfunction. They say, no, this is what we got to do to get the right person in place. Honestly, what does that mean, right person? Should that even matter? I mean, you could, you should be able to literally draw names out of a hat of the party. Is there that much difference in party ideals and agenda? And at the core of this, remember, folks, was it was the negotiation of spending. It's it's all close down to that. It, it, that's what that's what prompted Gates and. When McCarthy offered a spending package in the form of a continuing resolution, Gates decided to invoke his privilege under the rules of calling for a vote to vacate the chair. Knowing, already having talked to the other seven, you you know that, that said, yeah, I'll stand with you and vote with all the Democrats to remove the Speaker. And he did that, and then immediately proceeded to send email solicitations out and other forms of solicitation to raise money. But yet, this is a guy who kind of holds himself up as a person who is, you know, different, not beholden to donors and K Street, and you hear that stuff all the time, right? What do you think you just did? I just don't get it, uh, really, but I fear that the dysfunction will negatively affect us. And in fact, I literally just saw a poll a few minutes ago, the results of a poll on the presidential election. I'll share with with uh, that with you, I should say, on the other side of the break. We're in the Element Well studio. Please stay with us. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping. Folks like me on the job from nine to five.
105.5. We are back in the Element Well studio. And we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so, this recent poll that was conducted uh, by the University of Virginia Center for Politics, August 25th through September the 11th, 52% would support Joe Biden, 48% Donald Trump. Now, these polls are fluid. I, I certainly understand that, but I believe it's much closer. It's going to be, just because the country is virtually divided in half, politically speaking. And then you got RFK figuring into the mix. Someone on our ceasefire, yeah, Derek in Greenwood. RFK is going to cost us the presidency. That seems to be a popular opinion, uh, Derek. There's, there's been lots of analysis just on how that might affect the outcome with the junior Kennedy running as an independent. It's thought by many that that helps Joe Biden. And I think... I don't know about that now. Because he just recently came out and said he's in favor of reparations. Uh, here's what I think, though, Rhino. I, I hear you. And, and I could go down a list of issues where I think Kennedy's wrong. Uh, and that really is counter to the views of most conservatives and, and those who would cast their vote for a Republican. But you know there are a lot of people in this country that are very one-issue oriented. And this vaccine thing is big. And this guy's maybe the highest level anti-vax person. Uh, now, would that affect him in Mississippi? Because there's a, a decent-sized contingent of people who are, are strongly anti-vax, and they see Kennedy as their, their guy, their leader in that respect, would that affect an outcome? I don't think so. I still think if it's Biden, Kennedy, hypothetically, and Trump in a general election, I think Trump wins. In the, in the primary, it obviously doesn't matter because he wouldn't be on the ballot running as an independent. Uh, the question is, what happens in those handful of counties, as we've discussed, in those four or five swing states? I don't know, honestly. You know, it, or do independents break for Kennedy, who would have otherwise voted for Biden? Or is it the other way around? Hard to say. But I, I do think that a lot of people see him as kind of an anti-establishment, outsider, sort of, anti-elitist, and when he, when he really starts talking uh, very intensely about how the pandemic was handled, that does seem to motivate a lot of people. And he, he rails on Fauci. He, um, he's very critical of the way Trump handled it. Uh, he really goes after, I mean, he's a lawyer that sues pharmaceutical companies for a living, virtually. Goes after them. I think that resonates with a lot of people that were frustrated at the way that was handled on the Republican side, and maybe they break for him. It's, it's totally speculative, of course, at this point. But your point is well taken. I've, I've done my research as well on this guy. Supports reparations. He's pretty much in line with the climate cult. 
he uh, he blasted the Supreme Court on its ruling on affirmative action. Supports affirmative action. He's um, he hasn't come out and said he's for you know total control of health care by the federal government, but he's pretty close to it, honestly. And he rails on corporations for not paying enough taxes. That's pretty much all I have to hear right there. When you when you when your economic policy is rooted in the idea that people just got to pay more taxes, you lost me right there. To send it to the most inefficient manager of capital on the planet, that's the U.S. government. No, that's not a solution. So we'll see. Uh, national polls show that Biden has a 7 percentage point advantage over Trump when there's a three-way race, which would indicate Republicans peeling off more than Democrats to support Kennedy. But totally speculative, I agree. But people do knew, as you do need to know, as you point out, Rhino, get past this just high-level sort of priority talking points this guy makes all about vaccines and anti-corporatism and, and elitism and all the stuff that I know people are critical of and are frustrated about. And he does get their attention with that. But peel back the, uh, the skin a bit and find out more where this guy stands, especially on economic issues. And the fact is... Poll after poll after poll shows that economic issues and matters poll at the highest in terms of voter concerns, like way up there as the highest. That's because everybody has to deal with this every single day. Price of gas, price of groceries, wages not keeping up, and and now, now you're seeing mortgage rates go through the roof. The 10-year Treasury, by the way, just hit a 20-year high. 20-year high. It's about to go through the 5% mark. Why is that important? Because mortgages, consumer credit, credit cards, um, auto loans, tied to the 10-year Treasury. Note. And as as the yield of it continues to move upward, so do commensurately mortgage rates, et cetera. It's, it's about to put a big damper on that part of the industry. I've talked to some folks in the, in the transportation industry, in the trucking industry, that said they're seeing significant slowdown right now. And that's a pretty good indicator of uh, where the economy is headed, certainly in, in the offing here. So to me, this is what, where the focus ought to be, is on these kitchen table issues. That's how you win office. And then you start addressing the stuff that's behind economic issues in the minds of voters. I think that's the, that's the way to handle this. Uh, but we shall see for sure. On the ceasefire text line, Donald in Oxford says, Help my fifth grade civics memory. Speaker of the House is second in line behind the VP as president. That is, that is correct. Uh, there's a... A long list of how that works. Speaker of the House, President Pro Tem of the Senate, then Secretary of State, Treasury, Defense, Cabinet members, essentially. 
Uh, so, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I guess right now, since we don't have one... Just skip it. Yeah, we just skip it. And, I mean, should that situation arise, that'd be pretty wild if you think about it. The vice president unable to step in and serve as the president, which is the next in line, don't have a speaker, then it, it would uh, drop down to the president pro tem of the Senate. <laughs> Guess that'd be Chuck Schumer, huh? See the president pro tem? I know he's the Patty Miller. He's the majority leader. Maybe the president pro tem, right, is Miller. Gina Mendehall says, I'm still riding with DeSantis, the governor that took action and sent planes to pick Patty up Murray, Americans. Excuse me. That's right. Patty Murray uh, from Washington, the most unhappy person in the whole Senate. You ever seen her laugh or smile? Never. Only in her headshot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and she is a card carrying communist. Make no mistake about it. Just listen to her talk about economic matters, I, I just want to beat my head against the wall listening to her. No clue! I'm still riding with DeSantis, says Gene in Mendehall, a governor that took action and sent planes to pick up Americans that our government left in Greece and Israel. Yeah, I, it looks like he's faltering a bit in the polls, Gene. Nikki Haley is picking up lots of steam. If I were a betting man, I'd say that by the time the the uh, the year concludes, the calendar year 2023, it's Trump, Nikki Haley, in that order, in the polls. That's kind of what I'm saying. I'd say DeSantis is behind. The rest of them, uh, primaries start right in January, I think, and that'll flush a lot of them out uh, because they won't be able to raise money at the end of the day if they don't perform well in the primaries. That's typically how that works. Wow. So we shall see. We're coming right back. Somebody asked me a question yesterday that I want to get to, and it concerns balancing the federal budget. Why don't we have a balanced budget amendment? It's a very viable question, relevant question. It's a good question. We'll get to that a little bit when we come back. More of your text. Don't forget uh, Richard Greenlee with Ratchet Entertainment at 11.05. And then in the 12 o'clock hour, we hope to get a call in from Congressman Michael Guest, who just sent me a text I'll share with you. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. I've been watching the Dow this morning, as I do every day. And it, it is the kangaroo has got to be exhausted. I mean, it was down 150, 180. It just crossed the unchanged line to go into, into the positive. Now it's down again, falling. Will you please give that kangaroo some sort of sedative so it quits jumping around? It tranquilizer dart. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lots of text here. We appreciate it on the ceasefire text line. Copper from Mississippi, just remember, Kennedy is a Democrat. I believe you're right, at heart. And, I, and I'm telling you, folks, on, on economic policies, which I hold is the most important, and so do the polls show that's the most important to voters, he's, he's left. He just is. 
He's a socialist, close to it. Opposed? Railed against the affirmative action ruling? Can you fathom that? So, in other words, Mr. Kennedy, you support college's ability to discriminate. Because that's what it's all about. We're not letting in these people because of their ethnicity. we got too many of them. Well, maybe that's just because they're smarter than everybody else. That never enters the discussion, does it? All those damn statistics. Well, look. Look how much it's slanted towards this and that and this and that. Well, maybe because it is. Yeah, when reality doesn't match what you want, just ignore reality. And that's what happens. It's the way they think. Uh, it's just unbelievable. And I, I get upset that I see Republicans talk about that somewhat. Look at the disparity in the number of this, that, and the other. And that. Well, maybe that's because they just didn't fit the bill, didn't meet the mark. Ever thought about that? No, they always look at it from the perspective of, of uh, all the physical attributes. It always comes down to that. No, that's... Hmm. Ben from Madison says, Republicans will lose unless they reach independents and moderates like they did in 16. It should be an easy road to victory, but it seems like we are our own worst enemy in more ways than one. I agree. It all comes back. It all comes down from a White House perspective to a handful, and I'm and I say a handful in the context of the number of voters. When you look at the total votes cast in 20, what 160 million roughly got pretty close to 160 million, I think. All right. If you look at the swing states that essentially decided the election. I checked that out. It's 107,000, by the way. 107,000. That's Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. That's the number of people that literally determined who was president. That's how close this is and why you, you can't misstep. Ben is right. Brian and Madison says, put some lead in that kangaroo's pouch so he can't, can't hop around. I'm with you. DJ and Summit, get Kennedy on your show. I'd love to. He was in town. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Really enjoyed. First of all, I'm appreciative um, to Ron Mattis with the Pentecostal Church in Mississippi, who um, is in government affairs for them. Does a great job, by the way. He's a great, great person. And always enjoy being around those folks. They're fantastic Americans and patriots. And and they, along with the, the Mississippi Parents for Vaccine Rights, were able to get Mr. Kennedy into town. It was uh, 150, I'd say, or so, attended down at two museums. I was honored to be invited and part of that and, and saw Mr. Kennedy speak. And, look, he's a smart guy. He's very articulate. He's an excellent communicator. I just disagree with him on many policy issues. And that's it. That, and that's what it ought to come down to. It's not a personal thing. I think he's a respectful Honorable person. That's not the issue. And on many issues, I'm, I'm with him. I do think there's too cozy a relationship between government and the private sector sometimes where people are able to, to leverage uh, uh, their power and influence and money, honestly, to get what they want. I agree with him. And he makes a big point out of that. He's totally right about that. But on his positions on economic matters, I, I don't align with him. It's just simple as that. 
I will say Biden won't be on the ballot. The Democrats are working behind the scenes to make sure, says Ricky in Aberdeen. That, that's certainly been discussed quite a bit. We're down to not too much longer before that decision's got to be made. The DNC convention, what, probably July or August of next year? Typically when they are. That's when you got to decide. So we're not too far off from that. Food for thought, says Mose. Kennedy Jr. has been offered a position in the next administration in, re- in return for him running as an independent. I don't know, Mose. It, it doesn't seem to be where his head is upon uh, watching him speak, here, hearing his remarks. I, I didn't get that, but heck, anything's possible. You don't know. If August he, 19th through 22. Okay, so it's August. 2024. So we're within, what, eight, nine months from... Some decisions happen to be, and you can't just show up, oh, a week before the convention and say, I'm dropping out. I mean, something's got to happen I mean, before. You could. you could, but it's not likely. We are coming back after Fox News and Super Talk News with Richard Greenlee from Ratchet Entertainment. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply. To think deeply and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We're in the Element Well studio on this Friday Eve. And we welcome to the program now Richard Greenlee, owner-promoter of Ratchet Entertainment Group. All right, Richard, we've got uh, the very first, right, Township Blues Festival coming up Saturday, November the 11th. Give us uh, a breakdown of that. That is correct. Saturday, November the 11th. Uh, got seven hours of great music at uh, the Township at Colony parkway right there in ridgeland mississippi um music starts at 3 30 goes till 10 30 got five incredible artists it's a really special place out there something you've got to come to experience to understand and let's see you've got uh, you're going to be set up there on the green space right mm-hmm. isn't that the big, right the big green space right out in front of, if you know the area it's you know sombra and soul shine and the coffee house and they have the township jazz festival that had it for 16 years out there and been very successful we, we do a different setup um we have a full production full stage at one end of the uh, green space playing back uh to the north and it's a full fully fenced in just like any other festival you'd go to uh highland colony parkway mm-hmm. is the uh location there in ridgeland uh, so that's that's a really neat place to have an event like this and then uh, you've also got uh, some sponsors that are pretty involved in this as well. Tell us about that. That is correct. Um, this this the show is presented by uh, Bush Light and Ultra, um, which is Southern Beverage Company. Um, Super Talk Mississippi, great sponsor for us. Have been through all. We appreciate what all you do for us. Uh, Renova Roofing, big sponsor. They came in big time this year. Great guys hmm. over there. Um, visit Mississippi uh, and uh, visit Ridgeland as well. So, uh, and we work on a few others. And Township, of course, Conley Parkway. Yeah, Township. absolutely. So you were on with Steve Azar. Recently, I was. Right? I yeah. was, and uh, we had a great conversation. I've known Steve for a long, long time, and basically back in college. I think the last time I spent said more than hello to him was 
back in the early 90s. <laughs> but we had a good conversation, k- kicked it around a little bit. So You guys talk about uh, some of the artists that are going to be uh, coming to the uh, performing at the festival? We did. A lot of them, which he's played with, he gave us a good story about Cedric Burnside, who's kind of our, our co-headliner, really our headliner. Yeah. Uh, he's... Uh, we talked about uh, Jimmy Duck Holmes, of course. He's legendary. Owns the Blue Front Cafe right here in Bentonia. It's the oldest surviving juke joint in the state. <laughs> Jimmy Duck's just, I don't know how old he is, 80s, 90s. But he, it's him and his guitar, and he just sits up there and, and sings. And he is, you can hear a pin drop. He's great to listen to. Then we got another local guy named uh, Jerika Singleton. Um, he's out of Clinton. Great guitarist. He was a basketball star in high school. Played at Southern and I think William Carey, and then and just, you know, music was his passion, and he he's been jamming on the guitar and touring. Got a got a great band. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thirdly is uh, we've got a, a six piece out of Memphis called Ghost Town Blues Band. Um, we like to mix it up. You know, you got two great blues guys, and Ghost Town Blues Band is blues, but they're more rock and blues like ZZ Top, and they have some soul. And then we go to Cedric Burnside. Cedric is a duo. Uh, he plays with my good friend, who's the drummer Joe Eagle, and they. Get up there, and they will—they'll lay it on you. They'll lay the blues on you, and we're closing it out with my favorite, uh, Brandon Taz Niederauer, and he is an insane guitar prodigy. Like I told you last time, got discovered by Ellen Generous at 11 years old. Colonel Bruce Hampton took him on the road at 15. He's played on stage with everybody there is to play. Okay. All right, so people attend uh, the festival. Can can they bring their own um, beverages and food? How's that work, or do, or is it provided for? It's provided for. It's, it's just a st- standard, you know, festival. You know, ABC laws, everything's. It's a ticketed, okay. enclosed event. We'll have food vendors there, three or four food vendors, great from barbecue to uh, street food to pizzas. Um, we'll have f- full bars service. Cocktails, beers, canned cocktails, drinks, soft drinks, water. Cannot bring any outside food or beverage in, but it's all right there. You never have to leave the site. It's on site. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, 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 so how can you get tickets? Talk uh, about that. We again. have a website, townshipblues.com, and it's got everything you need there. It's got a local uh, everything about the, the layout, the VIP ticket, what you get with that, and the GA. Um, it talks about the local hotels there. The good thing about the blues festivals, we'll, we'll attract people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are five hotels on site within 200 yards of the festival grounds. Mm-hmm. And the AC Marriott is our partner hotel. We okay. have a direct booking link. It's literally 100 feet from backstage. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great place to do something like this. Uh, and and so I assume that there's a limited number of tickets, right? I mean, you can't just take everybody. Well, there's a limited number of VIP tickets. Okay. Uh, and we have an early bird special going on right now. With the first 500 tickets GA are $35. And for 35 bucks with very low ticket fees, um, to see seven hours of music and these artists is unheard of. So it's very, very – I mean, you usually pay 35 to see one of these. But the first 500 tickets are 35 and they go up a little bit from there. Uh, and, you know, the space will hold lots of people, but it's very – skinny and narrow so when you yeah. get past about two thousand people three thousand you start getting far back but we we can have video screens and things but you know i, I would love to have like i said a couple thousand people there but we could help hold three or four thousand okay and so do you get support as well from uh ridgeland pd law enforcement how, yeah how does that work we uh it, any festival you do you have to put an application a permit and they assign officers based on um uh based on uh you know your crowd and your needs and um, yeah. i haven't gotten that back from the chief yet but okay you know the twilight shows we usually get between seven and ten officers there you know, doing security inside and also permission patrol traffic control outside we have private security on top of that so very secure you know we'll have bag checks you know id checks for beverages everything that goes through that and you said this is this is a sort of event that you'll have folks travel to the area 
uh, to see it from out of state, right? Yeah, and I was listening earlier to a segment, um, who, who does a 9 o'clock segment from the coast? Um, Ricky Matthews. Yeah, he was talking blues today, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the blues festivals and uh, the, the blues festival circuit. People come in from you know, Italy and, and stay for the month. And... Um, you know the blues is a, a very big international following, and so we have a great lineup of artists. And with this lineup, we should attract people from all over the country to come in for this, especially if they know about the stay and play. They can fly in or drive into Jackson, park their car at the hotel, never leave, shop, dine, work out, walk around the park, get coffee, liquor store right there. Everything mm-hmm. is within two hundred yards. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, is this sort of event like a blues festival like like this in an outdoor setting? Is this gaining steam across the country? I mean, there are there plenty of these going on. Is this something that is sort of becoming kind of in vogue? Yeah, um, you know, the, the the blues circuit. There there are a lot of good blues festivals, and most of the true blues festivals, and, and I've been to all of them. You know, in Greenwood and Greenville and Clarksdale, and they're downtown area out in the field somewhere, and it's it's a great because you're you feel part of the original roots, but I don't know of many blues festivals that are in a more urban area where okay. you can still get the down-home blues be outside, but have all the amenities of an international airport and 10 minutes away is five hotels and dining and restaurants and shops, and you, it's just one-stop solution. I don't know those many of those blues festivals out there like that. Yeah. It is uh, that genre of music, Richard. Is it is it popular with the younger generations? Uh, are they getting exposed to this great music category? Well, uh, having an eighteen year old son and, and <laughs> listening to me, you know, and, and, and having colleges put on shows, um, you know, it is uh, more scholarly. But you know, the younger generation they're listening to rap. And, yeah. But but rap is directly related to blues. So as they get older, um, I believe that a lot of, you know, you have those people that really like the blues music, but most of the younger kids, are, they, they want the rap. Or, yeah. or when they grow up the country, you know. But you know, I bet when they get older and they start listening to it, they they become, uh, I guess, uh, in love with it in, in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. They start to, start, start to like it, starting to listen to it themselves. I mean, I, I'm seeing, I'm hearing from more parents who are saying that their kids are starting to adopt their tastes in music. That happens, um, and and as they get older, you know, and they're not in their peer groups, they start expanding their musical interest yeah. and listening to what their parents listen to, and uh, you know, every kid's different. But uh, you know, when you go to Lily's Blues Festival, it's a lot of older, you know, people. But the good thing about the township is, it's so kid and, and friendly. Yeah. You can bring your kids, and they right there in the township. They can't go anywhere. They can, you know, they can go outside the venue if they want to and do things. So it's very, very lot friendly. To do. Yeah, lot to do. Great development. I guess I didn't think about. It. Even though I live pretty close to there and I go through there virtually every day, I didn't think you said five hotels. Yeah, there are five hotels on property uh, on site in the township. That. Yeah, that's that's right. I can't name them all, but you've got Embassy Suites and Stay Bridge and AC Marriott and yeah. something else. You know, there are five of them right there. It's kind um, of all different. You know, you got a Marriott program. Town. town. Town Suites. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I ride by there all the time. Yeah. They they seem to be doing a, a thriving business. And you've got from a two-star to a four-star, and you've got different price points and different you know membership groups if you're Star Wars or Marriott. or Yeah. So it's all right there. And I uh, assume that uh, the property managers and the merchants really welcome this, huh? They do. And it's actually a partnership with the township and, uh, and, and Gabe Herring and the Herrings at the Carryoff Corporation yeah. wanted to do something. They've had such good success and energy and activity with their 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 springtime jazz fest. They wanted something to fall, and so I came up with the blues. Hmm. So they love it. That's, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on all the success of Ratchet Entertainment. Once again, the place and time. Saturday, 
November 11th, 3.30 to 10.30. Tickets and info at townshipblues.com. It's in Ridgeland, Mississippi at the Township. Sounds good. Appreciate you coming on, Richard, talking Thanks. about it. Thank yep. you, sir. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. With Gerard Gibbert. What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. All right, so the kangaroo is hopping. But the good news is it's hopping up more than down right now. That's because Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, he just said he's pleased with inflation's decline this summer. And that the central bank is unlikely to raise interest rates again unless it sees clear evidence that stronger economic activity jeopardizes such progress. I believe he's speaking uh, in New York today at, uh, at lunch. can't remember the name of the group that sometimes the Fed chairman will speak to. But the Dow now is up 168 and just climbing steadily, which is good news. It's, it's ridiculous to me that were so fixated on the Federal Reserve and its interest rate decisions as opposed to company fundamentals and technicals? Like, are you making a profit? (laughs) Are you increasing your profits? Are you investing? Are you guiding a positive outlook? That's what we used to invest on, and now we're totally focused on the Fed. And I thought... Mr. Powell, I think he's been a decent, decent, I say. I'd give him a C, Fed chairman, because he totally missed the inflation deal. They reacted too slow, and then they had to get busy, and that really did negatively impact really households more than the economy itself, because inflation was rising much faster than wages, though Joe Biden will tell you that's not the case. Of course, he has no clue when it comes to that sort of stuff. But he missed the mark there. So did Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. That's the two people that need to be most aware and in tune, honestly, and right when they're making these critical decisions, because it affects all of our pocketbooks. But he missed the mark there. 
and the other thing I fault him on is he simply will not be critical of the government's reckless spending. He won't come out and say, really hard for me to get this inflation thing down. All I got is interest rates that I can monkey with. And you guys keep spending money like the old drunk sailors, as they say. And so, essentially, you're counteracting anything that I can do from an interest rate perspective. He won't say that. There have been Fed chairmen in the past who have admonished the federal government. Hey, I'm limited over here, guys. you got to quit spending all that money and get your fiscal house in order. Fed Chairman Powell will not say that. He won't cross the president, who every single day, it seems like, or certainly every time he delivers remarks that involve uh, commentary and analysis of economic conditions, he wants you to believe that everything's just hunky-dory. Bidenomics is working! That's what he tells us. So we He also see. probably thinks it's still 1989. He's made some gaffes on his historical accounts, is he not? Would you please explain to the people where he's uh, kind of messed up again, by the way? Again. You see him conflate the wars? Oh, yeah. How oh, he was a senator during the... Was, which one was in 67? That was the Six-Day War, War, and then you had the Yom Kippur War. Yeah, he he said he was a senator in the Six Days War. He wasn't. He was not in the Senate. He talked about the Yom Kippur Kippur War in 1973. The Six-Day War was 1967. He always, of course, grossly inflates his relevance in any of those those um, historical events, those marked historical events. And he talks about his meeting with Prime Minister of Israel, Golda Meir, and how she had asked him to serve as a liaison between Israel and Egypt to resolve this conflict. That's horse hockey. She never said such a word. That's been debunked. By the way, at the time of the Six-Day War, when he says he was meeting with the Prime Minister, he was a student. Plagiarizing legal papers, that's what he was doing. (laughs) It's clearly inaccurate. He did visit in 73. Uh, He did visit in 73 with the Prime Minister. And he did pass on to her, what some of the Egyptian officials had told him, because he met with Egypt, too. But there's zero indication that Golda Meir wanted to use him. By the way, he was 30 at the time to intercede and serve as a liaison to resolve this very serious conflict that could have escalated and, and been even more catastrophic. He just lies about that. Why does he always lie about this kind of stuff, especially these historical accounts that are so easy to debunk? Because he uses. Because they weren't so easy to debunk as little as 10 years ago. I think he said something right in 2015. Isn't that right? I I think he made this same assertion, offered this same historical account, which was just a lie. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. 
how can you trust a guy that it's a rhetorical question, of course, but how can you trust a guy that he doesn't just tell a lie here and there or even stretch the truth here and there? It's constantly, and it's about major historical events. It's not like stretching the truth about economic matters. I, you know, I guess you could sort of say that's subjective. In, From a certain perspective. When he starts getting to the numbers now, that's not. That's objective. And he, of course, constantly misrepresents and miscommunicates that. Constantly. And when you conflate deficit with debt and you're serving as a president, that's, that's unacceptable. It's inexcusable. He did it last week. We played the tape. But this is a situation where he's lying about a major historical, two historical events that are relevant today because of what's going on. Trying to insert himself is... is more important than he is. That's just wrong, in my view. But it has served him well in his political life. It has. And that's on us, honestly. That's on us. No, it's on the Democrat voters. I didn't vote for him. Well, uh, us... Not as, on me. I hear you. I'm using us to refer to us as, a, as all voters as a country. I agree. The Economic Club of New York, by the way, that's uh, just hit me. That's where Powell was speaking today, and that's when he delivered these remarks. Now the Dow's down, so he must be talking, saying something else, because now the Dow's retreated, <laughs> and it just crossed the negative line. That kangaroo, wow. Marion Greenwood on the ceasefire text line, that's 601-879-4395, says, Now we're sending $100 million to Gaza, which will end up in the hands of Hamas. Can Biden do this without a vote, and why aren't Republicans trying to stop any of the spending? We can't take care of the whole world. So, Mary, uh, this money was already appropriated and signed off on. Um, It's just a foreign aid package, and and the president does have some control over that, and uh, some of that money can can be diverted and still uh, be... I guess within the guidelines of the money that was approved, it's a hundred million. We've shared this before. We we on average allocate appropriate about forty billion a year of foreign aid. Now, forty billion is a lot of money. I certainly that's certainly not lost on me. But of the six point three trillion, unfortunately, that we spend. It's uh, it's not a whole lot in the scheme of things, in the scheme of things. Uh, I I think we should certainly refrain and discontinue sending any money to any foreign governments that uh, don't use it for its intense express purpose when appropriated, and certainly those that seek to harm or or have adversarial views of this country. They shouldn't get a dang dime. And when you go down the list of countries we appropriate to, there are not many that meet those qualifications. That's definitely a problem. Uh, Republicans don't have any power, don't have any control, Mary. They only have half of uh, one of the chambers. And and again, they signed off on uh, the spending, which included... Uh, I can't remember exactly the total amount, but it averages about $40 billion. That's, By the way, that's exclusive of the money that's been sent to Ukraine that's been both cash and in-kind. 
And and one thing that disturbs people is there's little or no accounting of it or for it. What does it buy us? That, I think, is a problematic for me at a minimum. We're stepping aside for a break. Coming back in the Element Well studio, we expect to have Congressman Michael Guest. Attention, adoring fans! It's time for... Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Midday's Super Talk Mississippi. So, uh, I shared earlier that Congressman Michael Guest has informed us that Jim Jordan is, uh, is out. He will not hold a third ballot. There will not be a third ballot for him to elect him as the Speaker. But rather, it looks like he's getting behind a plan to uh, elevate Patrick McHenry, expand his powers as the the pro tem, uh, and maybe even make him the the permanent speaker. He's kind of considered moderate, I guess you would say, in nature. You know, I've caught a little bit of him on the floor. He, he seems to be a reasonable person here. And, and of course, it's, it's all about what are you looking for more than anything. Uh, you know, a lot of folks want something uh, more of a firebrand and more of a firebrand like Jim Jordan. But he says he's endorsing empowering McHenry as the temporary speaker, he being Jim Jordan. That's kind of where we stand. We're hoping to have the congressman on in the noon hour, the afternoon portion of the show. It's kind of fluid. We, are of course, have to respect his schedule. Uh, that's a bit fluid, to say the least, in the U.S. House of Representatives. But Jim Jordan, that's the big news. He told Republicans that he would suspend his bid and support elevating the interim speaker, Patrick McHenry, from North Carolina. I guess he just doesn't see a path at this point. Can't can't rustle up the votes there. That's what it looks to me like. So, we'll see where all that goes. Joe Equipment says, put a little helium in that kangaroo's pouch. We need the markets to go up slow and steady. Now the Dow's down 116. It's crazy. Powell must have said something that caused them to retreat and start the sell-off. It's the only thing I can figure out. Unbelievable. Dark the kangaroo while it's up. <laughs> That's exactly right. What'd you say we ought to hit it with? The tranquilizer dark. <laughs> there you go. Keith and J.S. says, inflation decline. Yeah, that's kind of the wordsmithing. I hear you, Keith, first of all. That's the wordsmithing that that Biden 
and Democrats use. And so what they really mean here is a decrease in the increase. They just don't tell you that. It's not that it's retreated, like nobody's gone out and marked the price down overall. Now, there are some goods that have, have fallen below where they were last year. Eggs come to mind. They're considerably lower than they were when they really went out of sight. No doubt about that. But overall, when you look at the consumer price index or personal consumption expenses, the other measurement, uh, it, it is still rising, those measurements are, just not at the same clip. He fails to explain that. So, no, you haven't brought inflation down, Joe, even though that's what you tell people that's disingenuous. What you've done is you've decreased the rate of increase. There's a difference. little nuance. I think he thinks that's the truth. My father had dementia, and he did the exact same thing on the ceasefire text line, talking about Joe Biden completely telling falsehoods about his involvement with Prime Minister of Israel, Golda Meir, with respect to the Six-Day War of 67 and the Yom Kippur War of 73. He just completely lied about it. I don't get it. Now we're concerned about presidential lying, says Kelso in Ocean Springs. No, I'm always concerned about it, Kelso. It is curious, though, that the mainstream media only seems to be concerned about one person. Well, I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, we, I try to be fair here and objective. And unfortunately, the mainstream media, you're right about that. They do not. They, they only seem to focus on and analyze statements from uh, those in a, one party and don't really focus on those in another. That's unfortunate because... It's like fact-checkers really only have a job <laughs> when there's a Republican president. That is very true. McHenry has a 46% liberty score. He's awful. What does that mean, though, exactly? What does that mean? How is that scoring done, I wonder? What are they... It's based on liberty score. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, can express that in terms of specific policy and bills. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to their little website. Uh, his vote for ending federal control of local schools, they were in agreement with his vote, so it's a point for him. A budget-busting spending bill at the end of December in 2022, they were against it, he was against it. Forcing okay. states to redefine marriage and threaten religious liberty, they were against it, he was against it. I'm failing to see how he got such a low score unless they just weight things differently. I don't know. I, I'm but curious. then again, you look at another quote-unquote conservative scorecard. He's got an 82% score for this session and a 72% score for the lifetime. Okay. So it really comes down to which conservative organization is scoring him. Well, and I, I, I say again, I think the, the issue for us is there's no consensus of, of what constitutes and would be defined as conservative. What What is that? I, I We struggle to define it, honestly, and, and thus... We struggle to sell it, to campaign on it. We really do. We, we stay at such a high, almost esoteric, vague level with just zinger talking points. An example is, is uh, 
all, all of these folks that you see come on and say, we've got to stop the reckless spending. But then when you try to pin them down, what, what spending do you want to stop? You don't get much. In fact, you don't get anything. And that's frustrating to me. Does inflation ever really go down? Have we ever had a long period of deflation? And if so, what caused it? You know, the, the, um, the period after 9-11, there was a little bit of that, of price retreat, uh, because consumers just stopped consuming. Everybody was, I think, so afraid that uh, they just kind of went into their shell. No doubt about that. Uh, I can tell you that, and I know this is just applies to one segment of uh, in one industry, one segment of the economy in one industry. In my world, in the IT world, we constantly fought. I, I can't even say fight. That's not really an accurate way to describe it. We just constantly had to manage deflation. Think about that. Think about the cost, let's just say storage today. Hell, it's free. I remember when storage cost a lot of money. Now it's free. Now they give it to you in huge volumes. It's like nothing. But I I understand. That's just one segment, one category, one class of of products and services. Uh, But rampant deflation keep me up at night. Um, They call it the ASP, the average selling price. And constantly having a concern about, okay, well, this is going to continue to decline, yet (laughs) is the market going to buy more? Because if not, then you got kind of a toxic elixir there that is an economic challenge. The good news is, in the technology industry, always inventing something new, constantly. And just as, and that was my experience. Just as, as one class or one, one sort of genre of products, uh, or or even services, would decline, they were always replaced. By a whole new class. And so much more. You know, starting out in 86 when we did, very limited portfolio of of technology products. It was the PC world. I mean, that's what was the genesis of all this. PCs and printers and four or five different software applications. But as time went on and, and the Internet and networking in general began to mature, wow unbelievable new array of products and then adjunct services to accompany that launched a whole new industry almost so to speak but uh, which is just a, a great example of the power and the value of human innovation and we've witnessed it in our country it's it's changed our world for the better so but i hear you um in general we don't really see deflation we don't see price decreases of common type consumer products and and uh, such as the cost of food of course you see the price of gas right it it goes up and down it's very volatile it's market driven but we're stepping aside for a break in the element well studio Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. 
in the Element Well studio. So yeah, a lot of folks, when they just don't have a high degree of confidence in their personal financial situation, they're, they're just concerned about all sorts of factors such as geopolitical events and, and uh, Fed policy, interest rates, where are they going with that? federal spending, all the, the factors that determine the health of the economy, they, they tend to just kind of stay in place. And they'll refrain from making large, especially large, purchases. And that affects the economy. So it's, uh, they seek some faith and confidence and certainty in the future before they'll go out and take a little risk and and uh, make some investments, maybe add to their their monthly expenses, or it could be a one-time investment. All of that figures into it. But you did some research on the break about the last time we had some officially recorded deflation. When did that occur? Uh, October, November of 2008. Right. So that's right on the heels of the, the banking crisis, the crash there. Merrill and Lehman Brothers, and of course, many political scientists uh, have have taken the position that it was the banking crisis that really turned the election around in favor of Barack Obama. Leading up to that, pretty close to the election, John McCain was leading. And the banking crisis really derailed that situation, and I think that swept Obama into office. That, uh, that shook the world. There's no doubt about that. I, I remember it distinctly, and I, I remember in business, scared, honestly. What does this mean? Because when, when businesses, especially, and that was my customers, were mainly large businesses, and man, when, when they start to put a pause on their capital investment because they're trying to get some sense of where everything's going and they're concerned about moving forward with any new projects, that's that affects lots of folks. I think we're starting to see that now to a great extent. With the especially with the interest rates rising the way they have and the ten year sitting at four point nine percent, dangerously close to crossing that five percent threshold. I said a couple of months ago I think we're going to see mortgage rates up around ten percent in the uh, after the first of the year. They're Eight percent now, and that's making it impossible for lots of Americans to afford a house. It's just it eliminated them from even being in the market. Yeah, the median price of a house is up fifty percent since twenty nineteen. Fifty percent. 
it's it's four hundred grand plus now, isn't it? The median price. Median price. Wow, that's unbelievable. So, for those of you that aren't familiar with the term, and and please excuse me if I sound somewhat insulting, but the median price simply means half the prices are uh, half the houses cost more than that, and half the houses cost less or are valued less in this case. Uh, but this measurement actually could be of those available to buy. Half or more than that, half or less than that. That's what the median means. Not to be confused with the mean, which is the average of all. It's a little bit, little different measurement. Wow, that is mind-boggling. You'd have to make six figures. There ain't that. many people that got a 50% raise since 2019. Well, that's a good point, yeah. So, and, and that's the, the, the salient point, honestly, that is, is just missing from Joe Biden's comments and remarks about the economy, is that wages haven't kept up, and they're not going to keep up. And, of course, you could certainly argue that these factors are uh, what precipitated the United Auto Workers to, to strike. You know, they're looking for more money because they're feeling the pinch of Bidenomics, honestly. Think about that. It's, it's Biden that inflicted significant pain on a group that he holds as among his loyal, most loyal supporters, and that's workers of the union. It's your policies, sir, that are causing the pain that they're enduring and essentially triggering them to go to the streets and protest and leave their their work location, their job, demanding more money. It's your policies. It's what did it. Wow. We're going to step aside for Fox News and Super Talk News. The noon hour is upon us. And we're coming right back. We hope to have Congressman Michael Guest in the next hour. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour three, the afternoon portion of Middays is with you now on this Friday Eve. Well, we're still trying to see if we can get the congressman to call in and give us an update, but Rhino's been checking, the, as he calls it, the scuttlebutt on Twitter, and it sounds like it's getting a little testy in the conference meeting, so I'm not sure if the congressman can join us. What would you say about McCarthy? Yeah, according to a Twitter account that says a source from in the room, McCarthy screamed at Gates to sit down. <laughs> sit Which down. made me bring up the question during the break. Couldn't the conference just vote to kick Gates out? Unbelievable. how many of his cohorts are going to go, fine, I'm with him. Kick <laughs> me out, too. I don't think many would. No, they wouldn't. 
Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, our content folks just said doesn't look like the congressman is going to come on today. Trying to get him on tomorrow, so that's uh, understand. He's got to take care of uh, his duties there, fulfill his duties as uh, his the representative of Mississippi's third district. But they're hold up conference meetings, trying to figure out what to do here. It sounds like from reports I'm gathering that Representative McCarthy has indicated that he supports Patrick McHenry, at least uh, in a temporary role as Speaker, and then move from there. But but Jordan is suggesting that. He's not going to not going to submit for another vote because he would lose. That's just, and he sees it. I mean, they're pretty good at counting the votes up there. Experienced members are. And I think he sees there's not a path. Wow. The Dow now up 166, and it's just because Powell's speaking, and they're just hanging on to every word the guy says. It's incredible. Too much power. Too, too much influence over markets. Ten-year Treasury now up five basis points today to 4.9%. It's, it's going to eclipse the 5% market mark, pardon me, and that means that mortgages, chattel loans such as for automobiles, consumer credit cards, etc., going up. You know what else goes up? The cost of servicing the U.S.'s debt. That is extremely disturbing. Extremely. Mo says, I'm interested in hearing what the dean of the law school has to say about Trump's lawyer pleading guilty in a plea deal. Wouldn't there be attorney-client privilege? Any chance you can get him on tomorrow's show? I, um, I don't know that the dean would be uh, the right party to have that discussion, but perhaps... Um, Christopher Green, law professor, has been on many times. The program, we'll see. Um, you know, I'll pass that on to the folks that do all that scheduling modes to see. Uh, I, I've got, I'm curious as well, you know, something else that's coming up that I read about is the subject of real estate commissions. There's some class action lawsuits about that. Uh, there's long-standing industry rules. You guys are probably aware that typically sellers pay commissions that are split between the seller's agent and the buyer's agent. Typical arrangement is 6%. They split that 3%, 3%. But, you know, the digital world is changing that, uh, that environment, that market. And uh, there are a lot of folks that would like to see a change such that an adjustment such that those commissions are moderated somewhat. And there's so, so there's some challenges to that status quo. This, this really will be interesting to see where this goes. The National Association of Realtors is a defendant. There's a couple of cases. And, of course, they are defending the current system. I don't know. You know, something else is, generally speaking, real estate agency is uh, is a licensed occupation at the state level, I believe, and 
So there have been some challenges even to that. I've heard from folks in that industry where agents in other states want to do business in a state other than that which they are are certified or licensed in. And there's been pushback from those in the existing states because they they don't want more competition, essentially. So this, you know, the the digital world just disrupts all that, doesn't it? Like we've witnessed with the automobiles and the um, the bill that, unfortunately, our legislature signed off on and supported, which really dictates the route to market for vehicles within the state, mandates that they must be sold by a third party other than the manufacturer of said vehicles. And that, of course, protects the interest of those who sell vehicles, dealers specifically. Dealers for the manufacturer is what they are. They have a relationship with the manufacturer. And so technology is disrupting that. They're automobile makers, such as Tesla. You know, Apple's working on cars. Amazon's working on as well. And, and, and they've kind of announced that their route to market will be a direct one. So it, it um, again, it kind of blows up the, the legacy model of manufacturer, dealer. And a lot of times those dealers have protected territories and all that's inside their, their dealership, their franchise agreement, if you will. But man, this stuff is it's not over, and you're gonna you're, there are industries we can't even think about right now, honestly, that are going to also follow suit here, where there are going to be folks that are going to challenge the status quo, and it's going to end up in lawsuits. But just want to pass that on. So, doesn't look like we're going to get the congressman on today, uh, Mose. I, I'll see what I can, I can find out about that. I, I see that as well. It's interesting. I also saw Sidney Powell. I think one of uh, one of those involved in the 2020 election, filing lawsuits all over the place. One of Trump's lawyers, I think she's pled guilty. Did you see that, Rhino? I believe I got that right. Yeah, she took a plea deal, I think. Yeah. On the ceasefire text line, would Newt Gingrich be someone the House could bring in to serve as Speaker? Well, uh, according to House rules, one does not have to be a member of the body. Theoretically, sure. Yeah. Practically, no. no. Right. Agree. I don't understand the problem with Jim Jordan, says Paula Meridian. The videos I've watched him on, he seems to try to do a good job for the people. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've heard, Rhino, any, any specific objections or reasons for not supporting him. Uh, I have heard, on the other hand, those who, who uh, were the, the defectors, I guess, <laughs> on McCarthy, they've come out and, and expressed their concerns with McCarthy and certainly been very critical of him. But, it, but again, it's always at the high vague, nebulous level. I, I don't hear the specifics. Well, he's tied into K Street. Okay, well, what, what does that mean exactly, though? Now, you know, you've heard that. He's, he's just taking orders from the lobbyists. Well, be specific. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, I, I share their concerns. I, sh- I, I have concerns about the incredibly cozy relationship that exists between those responsible for making our laws that we elect and those who lobby 
for their clients, for special interests. I, I share their concerns. It happens in our state capital, of course. It happens in every enclave of government. I, I agree. But they've never been able to say anything specific. What do you mean exactly? But the, the catalyst for this was uh, when McCarthy put a continuing resolution on the table to continue funding the government as opposed to proceeding through regular order to negotiate the 12 spending bills in accordance with uh, that process to fund the discretionary aspect of government. And Matt Gates didn't like that and said he's got to go. Now, what I don't understand is this has been going on for a while. It was building up, I should say, for a while. You knew this day was coming. I, and I'm, I'm talking to McCarthy and Gates and the others here. Why weren't you guys talking about this? Why did this just all of a sudden come about in late September when you, you made a big deal out of it and saw fit to invoke the privilege under the rules of calling for a snap vote to vacate the chair? Why, why weren't they talking about this? Like, I would hope rational adults, especially in a body that is charged with deliberating policy, <laughs> Why weren't they just talking about this before it blew up? Now look at the mess we got. And I think we're all going to pay the price for it. We're coming right back after the break here. We're in the Element Well studio. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. On the ceasefire text line, uh, a little closer to home, financial struggles for Delta State. What's that about? Yeah, there's an article uh, at Supertalk Mississippi on our website, Supertalk News. Delta State secures $2 million grant amid financial struggles. The, the university has experienced a decline in enrollment uh, for some time. And, of course, that's uh, the financial lifeblood of an institution of higher ed. And, and because of that, they've spent the last decade making knee-jerk financial decisions that have pretty much run them out of credit. Correct. So they don't, they don't have um, any backstop financially to uh, really continue to function at the current level. I think now, it was because the new president, I forget his name now, but he took over in June or July. Yep. One of the first things he put out was a report saying that he needed 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there, million dollars of cuts to the budget, or they would not make it. Yeah, that's a lot, obviously, and that would mean headcount would roll, which would include faculty and administration. It's it's overall a sad deal, and we're keeping our eye on it, but uh, the, the news team here has done a great job of informing us of that. You you may also see there's an article. So the article about the $2 million grant they just got, that was published two hours ago, but yesterday 
at Supertalk Mississippi, Delta State President begins plan towards sustainable future. That's a quote amid enrollment budget issues, just like Rhino was saying. So that's what's going on. So, so what is the buyer's recourse if they have an issue with a vehicle with no dealer? Sincerely, sincerely curious. Yeah, I hear you, and that's but that's beside the point. If a customer is willing to take that risk, the government should not stand in the way of that. That's my position. But from a practical perspective, these companies know that they got to have a way to service the product that they sell, service after the sale, and they do have a model for that. And they're just service-only facilities. Tesla e- even has um, service at your home available. They will dispatch a Tesla-authorized technician to your home to service your vehicle. And there are areas of the country that's working very successfully. I've read testimonies from customers who said, yeah, it works pretty good. Yeah, if they can't fix it in your driveway, they they put it on a truck and usually provide you with a temporary vehicle until they can get it fixed. Right. And it should also be noted that because there are just so fewer moving parts that the prospect of having mechanical failure and issues goes down dramatically. So the level of service required after the sale uh, is decreased. Well, you don't need oil, for example. You don't need gas and all the uh, the problems that could cause. Uh, of course, you still got to have tires. You know, th- those are going to just normally wear, and you're going to have to replace those. But that's not necessarily something you need a dealer for. And plenty of shops around it to do that. It, it's a valid question. My only... I mean, if you look at it in reality, not just hypothetically, Yeah. how many people take their vehicle to the dealer for any kind of service once it's out of warranty? Not very many, because generally it's more expensive. Right. Yeah. Um, and what you're seeing as a result of exactly what you're sa- you said there uh, it's just part of the competitive landscape is that uh, the main vehicle manufacturers are offering uh, way more extensive warranties as part of the sale. Now, you're paying for it, make no mistake, as part of the purchase of the new vehicle. I just did it two weeks ago, bought a new one. I was shocked at, uh, at the warranty, at how much it has expanded since the last one I bought. But you know that's all because of the competitive landscape. There's no doubt about that. So my contention is the government shouldn't step in and say, we've got to protect those consumers. We can't let them buy those vehicles uh, remotely, online, or f- directly from the manufacturer. Can't do that. So I, I disagree with that. You know, if I'm willing to take that risk, I'll, I should be able to. And if it doesn't work, well, then I won't do it again. Let the market dictate that, not government. That's, that's my feelings about that. Let's see. Thomas uh, in Greenwood, of course, uh, weighs in on all this stuff, and we appreciate that. He says, I'll go, I'll go back to the beginning here. Uh, rhinos don't want to cut spending, and he shared with us, looks like a tweet from Representative Thomas Massey. Massey says, I've taken thousands of votes during my time in Congress. No roll call has ever been as clarifying as the one for Jim Jordan as Speaker. Why isn't his election easy here? Because his leadership represents a credible threat to the unchecked growth of our bloated federal government. Thomas says Massey is likely right. 
rhinos don't want to cut spending. If McCarthy was ousted over continuing resolutions, then opposition to spending cuts is the root cause. Well, that's 100% totally wrong, Thomas. And here's why. Representative McCarthy offered, albeit in a continuing resolution, a spending measure in the form of a continuing resolution that cut non-defense discretionary spending dramatically by 30 percent. By 30 percent. 30 percent. Now, that's only $250 billion, by the way, folks. He did, and they rejected it because it was a continuing resolution. They offered no alternative. Where was Thomas Massey? Where's his damn budget? Where's Gates's budget? Where's Mace's budget? They don't have one. They just rather get media attention and cast stones. That's what they enjoy doing. They like the political fame. Make no mistake, Massey does too. They all do. Rhino, you're shaking your head. You know it. They damn all do. It's just human nature. I'm telling you, if you get between them and a television camera, you'll get stampeded. It's the truth. Just is. I like Because you Matthew. have to have a certain level of narcissism and sociopathy to even want to run no for doubt. these offices. No doubt. Look, I like Massey. I'm just saying that don't just cast stones... What's your solution? Where the hell's your budget? I had a policy in my company. Don't come in my office and tell me about the problems unless you've got a solution. Don't just hand it to me and say, go fix this. Same thing here. It's what you get elected for. Devise solutions. What's your plan? McCarthy gave you one. It cut $250 billion. In fact, it cut so much. You remember this, Rhino? As soon as he introduced it, Chuck Schumer, he's all over the television saying, Speaker McCarthy, it is dead on arrival. It's got no chance. So these people think somehow magically a new speaker, Jim Jordan, he's going to just cut all this spending and Schumer's going to go along with it? Are you kidding me? And Joe Biden would go along with it? Because the only thing they cut is that little portion of spending, which, which I agree needs to be cut. It's the leviathan of the agency complex, many of whom, their butts are still at home. Have you been seeing this? All the empty office buildings that are, that are designed to house the government bureaucrats that we pay, their butts are still at home three years after the COVID crap. Unbelievable. They don't have a plan. That's my problem. Show me a budget. And here's the thing. You could cut, I've been through this math a million times, and they don't want to hear it. Where's Massey's plan for mandatory spending? Where's Gates's plan? I want them to go before the people and say, we're cutting your Social Security. We're cutting your Medicare because we got to balance the budget. Back to our listener yesterday that asked, why don't we have a balanced budget? This is why we don't. Because nobody will touch those programs. And until you do, you got no chance. No chance of reducing the debt, of balancing the budget. Because you could cut right now every dime of discretionary spending. Every single dime. And you still produce a $400 billion deficit. That's how bad it is. 
And they won't share this with you. They won't tell you. They won't level with you the mathematical truth. But that's the way it is. We went through the situation with the debt yesterday as we watched these Treasury note yields continue to to increase and Powell over there raising interest rates. Every time that happens, it not only affects your mortgages and your household debt, it affects the government's debt. One trillion dollars of interest is where we're headed in a short 18 months on a run rate basis. It was nearly 800 billion this year. Next year, interest on the debt will exceed the amount we spend on the U.S. military, on the Department of Defense. You know, the people who are responsible for keeping the nation intact. We're spending more on interest. That's how sick this whole thing is. Because nobody would touch the mandatory programs. And they've known this for 60 years this was coming. And they wouldn't touch it. And that's why we're where we are. Because they want to get elected. And they know if they talk about it, they've got no chance. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Bring it on! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on! On Super Talk Mississippi. back, everyone. It's Middays. The Doobie Brothers bumping us into this segment. Final half hour of the program. The Dow now down 10. Man, oh man, this may be one of the most volatile trading days that I can remember in a while. As far as crossing that unchanged line, it'll be interesting to see when trading closes for the day just how many times the index crossed the unchanged line. It's crazy. Totally. One of the bright spots today, you've seen this, Netflix. My gosh. Last I checked, it was up 55 bucks a share today. News from the company said that their number of subscriptions increased. Of course, they put a lockdown on that password sharing stuff. And believe it or not, advertising revenue is up. That's another source of revenue for them. So that, that's a bit interesting. They also released that they're increasing prices again. Slightly, but and they don't expect that to really have any impact on their subscriber base in a negative way. So that's called having pricing power. Interesting, at a minimum. So, all right, so back to this budget thing. I think this is important because that's really at the heart, at the core, of the, uh, the consternation in the U.S. House of Representatives. And, and I think that what's get, what gets lost in those discussions and in the conflict is the math associated with the U.S. federal budget. I start to wonder if members of Congress have a full grasp of those concepts, of those I can details. answer that for you. Okay. No. 
I was afraid you were going to say that. And that extends to the senior chamber, the Senate, as well. I, I'm with you. Well, you know, for sure Joe Biden doesn't. I mean, because he, he says stuff that's just untrue all the time about it. Malarkey plus corn pop equals dog-faced <laughs> pony soldier. <laughs> Even so much that the old Washington Post gives him the, the uh, what do they say, unlimited Pinocchios? No, there's another. Bottomless Pinocchio. Bottomless, that's it. <laughs> I remember it because I, I have a problem with the phrasing bottomless Pinocchio. <laughs> Is he a puppet? Is he not wearing pants? He's wooden. He doesn't have a bottom. <laughs> it's parquet, right? <laughs> oh, you got to laugh. But it's true. And I know there – so somebody on our, our ceasefire text line said, Matt, keep doing what you're doing. Screw the snowflakes. Well, what is he doing other than pretty much assuring that we hand power to the Democrats? That's what he's doing in my view. Now, I get it. There's a lot of time between now and next year. And lots of things could happen that could influence the outcome of elections. But right now, I, I think it's hurting. Honestly do. But again, I say, Matt, where is your plan? Let me see your balanced budget. Right? Being a conservative, that means balancing the budget, does it not? Not spending more than you take in. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I know our friend Thomas, Right? He's, he fashions himself as a staunch conservative. I, I'm certain he would agree and acknowledge that, okay, that means we've got to have a balanced budget. Well, I just went through the math. Unless you make significant cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, you can't balance the budget. You could eliminate Social Security. Think about this. Wrap your head around this, folks. Again, it's a math exercise. Completely eliminate Social Security. We don't send another check out. We still have a trillion dollar deficit. It's unbelievable. That's how upside down it is. You could completely eliminate Social Security, completely eliminate defense. You still have a $300 billion deficit. Completely eliminate Social Security and Medicare. You have a two. $100 billion deficit. Now think about that. Completely eliminate Social Security and Medicare. Still have the money coming in from people working, just none going out to the people drawing benefits. Still have a deficit. That's how bad it is. And nobody's paying attention to it. Nobody talks about it in those terms. Is Matt Gates saying that? No, because you just utter the word Social Security and you get your head cut off. That's where you get the death threats. <laughs> Guarantee you. I get it. People rely on that. It I, happened during, was it the first or second vote for Jordan? I think it was the first vote. First. Somebody mentioned that Social Security has to be discussed. And immediately, social media was awash with loony leftists just losing their minds. No doubt about it. And and Jordan didn't take that mantle forward either. He's, he's not going to dig into it. Nobody is. If he said a word, even remotely indicating his support for even having a discussion about it, he'd lose the next election. Guarantee you. 
you got to cut somewhere else. You know what they'll say? Even on the Republican side, you just need to cut foreign aid, all $40 billion of it. Social Security is a $1.1 trillion program. Not $40 billion. That's nothing. That's not even pocket change in the scheme of things. I'm not saying we ought to keep sending money to people that hate us. I abhor that. But you're not serious about addressing our fiscal problems until you start having an adult discussion about mandatory spending. Now, the Democrats have a plan. They've put a plan out there. You know what it is? More taxes. They're playing for all of this, not a word about cutting a dime of spending. More taxes. Their plan for Social Security is to lift the cap. Uh, what is it now? $162,000, I think. All wages above that are not subject to the Social Security tax. They want to lift the cap and capture more income from those that make $162,000 more than that and all their income above that. But then when they get ready to retire, they want them eliminated from receiving benefits. It's just a giant redistribution. Let the rich people, as they describe them, pay more in and more goes out to the people who are drawing benefits. And when the rich people get ready to retire, sorry, even though you paid more, a lot more, you get nothing. That's exactly what they want. That's their plan. It's documented. Uh, Impose a wealth tax, which they magically think would shore up the nation's finances. Sure, confiscate all the wealth. All the wealth out of the top 1%. Run the country for 10 months. 10 months? Then what? You can't even get through a year if you confiscated every penny. By the way, confiscating their wealth means they've got to liquidate all of their stock holdings because so much of it is held in equities, not cash. And guess what happens when they liquidate their stock holdings? You think that kangaroo's jumping today? The market would be cut by 50%. And your 401k plans would commensurately go down by 50%. It would crash the damn economy. That's just a fact. They just don't think through that. Because politically popular, yeah, take the money from them rich people. You're hurting yourself when you do that. Incredible. I'll never be a billionaire. I doubt anybody listening will be. But you know what? I'm glad I live in a country where one can be. Because when you start limiting one, you start limiting all. You think they're done? We got Jeff Bezos. He can't be a billionaire. Oh, no. Then they just keep going down the ladder till it's you. Because they want to dictate how much you're going to make. Guarantee you. That's the, that's the goal. They always presented... Universal basic income. That They want everybody equal. Egalitarian misery is the goal. There's no doubt. But raising taxes still won't cover it. If you're talking about raising taxes, Social Security taxes, this is on the ceasefire tax line, that's absolutely true. All it really does is delay the point at which the program can't make benefits. That's absolutely true. 
You cut Social Security and you have a full-fledged revolt of old folks who are not scared to die on the ceasefire tax line. I get it. So I got asked, what do you do to shore up the, the budget and uh, get it balanced? I'm just sharing the mathematical fact. There's some other ideas that get really, really wonky about how we could start to phase in a new kind of form of Social Security and fund remaining benefits for those that are receiving them who aren't going to live forever. There's there's ways of addressing that. Uh, but again, any discussion of it, it, it just gets hijacked and turned and twisted, just like you were saying you saw on Twitter out there. Uh, everything they said is completely wrong, but it doesn't matter. You catch it in those forums and you take it as fact. We're coming right back with the final segment. Middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. into the final segment of Middays. We're back in the Element Well studio. Let's see here. This is Wayne from North Mississippi. Get rid of ATF, IRS, raise full retirement age to 72, Medicare and early retirement from 62 to 65 starting point. That's been tossed around. I mean, raising the retirement age quite a bit, Wayne, and uh, gets no traction. It's got no chance whatsoever. Presently, the full retirement age is 66 if you're born between 43 and 54, I believe. The full retirement age increases gradually if you were born between 1955 and 1960 until it reaches 67. If you're born in 1960 or later, full retirement benefits uh, are payable at age 67. So you're talking about increasing it by five to six years. Yeah, that would be unbelievably unpopular. And uh, the same for Medicare benefits, which are uh, full benefits at 65. And then get rid of, and by the way, the flat tax, getting rid of the IRS, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. But the flat tax itself, that, that was tried. That was one of Gates's and the Freedom Caucus's demands as part of the rules when they elected Kevin McCarthy decided to support him for speaker. We want to put the flat tax. We talked about it extensively on the program. It's got no chance whatsoever, and it really doesn't achieve what people think it does. Um, it, it's kind of misunderstood. Uh, this prebate uh, feature of it is crazy when you think about it. That would just be a nightmare fraud is what that would be in my view. But yeah, we could get rid of the IRS, Department of Education, a couple more. So just so you know, again, the cuts that McCarthy proposed were equivalent to the amount of funding to to those agencies. There's 30% of the agency complex. But Gates and company rejected it. Nope. Well, what's your plan then? That's, that's the point. 
The Republicans that are holding out on the House Speaker vote so they can get back to work. Oh, okay. So Matt, the the uh, person on the ceasefire text line said, Matt, keep doing what you're doing. Screw the snowflakes. I said, what is he doing? He said, speaking the truth. I said, be specifically, the Republicans that are holding out on the House Speaker vote so they can get back to work. What? Huh? What does that mean? I'm, I'm not. I don't think they're actually listening to us. Okay. I got you. Maybe, maybe so. Thomas says, I voted for Republicans who promised to cut spending and cut welfare, not expand it. So I fully support a winding down of Medicaid through economic growth and jobs, raising citizens past the qualifying level. So uh, that'd be great, Thomas. So you, you shared with me, by the way, he's, he's uh, in the process of enrolling in his health care benefits at work. And uh, there are reports surfacing the last couple of days indicating that the average cost Average cost of full family premiums in this country now, $24,000 a year, 2000 a month. Thomas just basically confirmed that because he sent us a screenshot. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. So $24,000 is the average. So, again, how is a person who makes $18,000 a year to $20,000 a year supposed to afford $24,000 a year premiums? Well, the simple answer is they can't. Therefore, they don't have any insurance, but they still show up to get medical treatment, and the providers give it to them for nothing. But they got to make money somehow. So what do they do? They charge us that have insurance. Us working people that have insurance and are fortunate to afford it, we absorb those costs in our premiums. And that's the, the unfortunate reality of, of health care in this country. Uh, I I would love to see, Thomas, everybody in our state rise to a level where they could afford $24,000 a year for health care insurance. That means they got to make about 70000 bucks a year. The only way to achieve that is through automation, because all these jobs that, that make far less than that would have to be replaced with machines. And those people would have to do become qualified to do other jobs. I'm all for that, and we got to continue to work for that. Mississippi, unfortunately, we still rank 50th. We have the lowest per capita income, the lowest household income in the nation, and we lag the national average considerably. We only have one county in the entire state which has a median household income that, that is right around that of the nation, and that's Madison County. It's the only one of the 82. Of the all the other 81 counties have a median household income that lags the national median household income. Man, oh man, I work 16 hours a day and I can't afford insurance. I, I hear you. So, but but you're a human. You're going to get sick and you're going to need services, and and that's where the the quandary arises. We are out of here today, the final day of the week coming up tomorrow. It's been a good one. Please join us then. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.